0: it's another episode of Design Mixtape. We're back. Back again.
1: Week five, or Ep- episode five. Episode
0: five, and did you think it would last this long?
1: I did not. What well, it's been like two months.
0: You really didn't think we would be able to do it for five episodes?
1: I thought we would do it, but you know how you get busy, and then you go out of town, yeah. and then you're like, oh, I forgot to do it, and it's like two months later.
0: I think one of the things that we have going for us is that we can hold each other accountable because you know there's us tag teaming it but also we see each other and it would be really weird for us to just not show up one time <laughs> be like hey i thought you were coming to do podcasts yeah oh, it'd
1: be pretty awkward
0: <laughs> no we'll keep doing it this is fun i like the interaction that we have with you know listeners i get people that will holler at me and say like hey i listened to that one episode you know like other designers and uh It's really encouraging and fun, and I like that kind of community aspect of it.
1: Yeah, no, I actually had one of my old art directors from Panini. um, He reached out and said he was listening to the podcast. He said he liked it. I asked him what his favorite part was. He was like the personal stuff, which I thought was interesting.
0: Maybe we'll be, uh, maybe today will be a really good episode then, because I think we don't have like a lot of specific, you know, like work stuff to talk about.
1: Because working on top secret projects,
0: very secret stuff, we can't tell anyone. Uh, we will, we will give you some hints though, because I think some of the stuff is, it's coming up. It's, it's pretty fun stuff. Uh, and then uh, also we need to talk about today playoffs. Favorite thing. It's been a couple of weeks since we talked last, and there were a bunch of playoff predictions that you had, and and a lot of them came true.
1: Hey, I'm the NBA analyst.
0: You are. <laughs> you're like our NBA insider on the design team. <laughs> But then there's some other stuff that's, like, really sad. You know, like, OKC. Okay, I did
1: not see that one coming. Like, I saw it coming, but I just, I really thought they were going to make it out of the first round.
0: I thought the Jazz. The Jazz were nice. And then I thought, like, for sure the Rockets would beat the Thunder. Mitchell was nice, though. Oh, man. Like. He showed everybody who he was. Mitchell was nice. Left his impression on the entire league.
1: I think OKC has Detroit rest. Really? You've had almost four Hall of Famers, like Harden is going to the Hall of Fame, Katie is going to the Hall of Fame, Russ is probably going to go to the Hall of Fame, Melo is going to go, and Paul George is a maybe. You've had all of those players and you haven't won a championship for uh, like 10 years.
0: I am really, I don't want to see him trade Brody. You
1: gotta, he got to go.
0: <laughs> but I think, like, I, do, I don't think that will happen. I don't want it to happen, but I think there's a lot of truth to what you're saying. And you've brought it up before, like the one common thread is Russell Westbrook. Ugh.
1: I think he's a great player, but he doesn't play well with other people. And we're playing basketball, you know? <laughs> it's, it's not tennis. He shoots too much. I was reading somewhere where he had like 45 points, but took like 60 or 70 shots.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: I could probably, you know, shoot like 30 shots.
0: I remember the very first uh, week of the season, people talking about like how exciting this team was, how they were going to probably come out of the West, and it wasn't even a week later, and they're like, this team has Terrible, to get it together. Yeah. They're falling apart. And Are, that was the story of the whole the whole year, really.
1: Or even Mello, I saw an article, and it was saying that he felt like okay, OKC didn't really have a plan for him. You know what, though? The coach at Boston can make anybody into a superstar.
0: That's true. Like, Brad Stevens is a <laughs> if stud. If he
1: had KD... They probably did have won championship because he may as the Thomas look like Michael Jordan for a while.
0: Well, <laughs> Brad Stevens, you know, coming out of Butler and I remember watching those tournaments, those two years when they made it to the final four in the championship game, like who is Butler again? Like where are they from? You know, there was a team that no one really saw coming. They thought the first season that they went to the championship was a fluke and Brad Stevens came back. Uh, There are a lot of really awesome college coaches in the NBA now. And Brad Stevens and Fred Hoiberg, I think, are like my favorite coaches.
1: He's a good coach.
0: I'm really excited to see kind of these younger teams grow up and mature and see what they do. Um,
1: LeBron needs to have him coach for him because I don't know if Ty Lue is actually a good coach or if LeBron is coaching the team.
0: So do you have Boston over Philly tonight?
1: I have Boston taking it. Taking it to the um, Eastern Conference
0: Finals, but originally it was Philadelphia.
1: You know what, Philly was looking good. To Boston was like, not today.
0: A three 0 run.
1: Like I, I, didn't see I that had Philly. You know, I, I was rooting for Philly. Like they're my team. They're gonna be my team mm-hmm. next year. But Boston got the coach. Philly has the players, but Boston's coach, he, he has it down. I can't really hate on that.
0: I, I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be Boston, but I really don't want it to be. At the beginning of the season, if you had said before any of the games were played, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals were going to be Cleveland and Boston, I would have said, <laughs> well, no duh, right? Like it's yeah. it's an awesome lineup. And then, you know, not even one quarter of the season, they lose their their most like valued trade asset throughout the entire offseason, not including Kyrie. And then that
1: was a nasty,
0: uh, nasty fall. And then now Kyrie's
1: Then I think Kyrie just kind of gave up for a second. Maybe. But I did see somewhere where there's a possibility of Kyrie getting traded to the Spurs for Kawhi, who is in my A for some reason. But I think off season we'll find out the truth about where Kawhi
0: is. Do you think that that's a good trade?
1: I've never been a Kawhi fan, but oh, NBA experts think he's, like, the second greatest player in the NBA. And I really wasn't a LeBron fan until, like, I mean, how can you not be a LeBron fan at this point? He's the best player of all so, time. So, I guess I have to listen to the NBA experts and think that it might be a good trade. But Kyrie is pretty crispy. Like, he's a pretty good ball player. And I didn't really think he was that good of a ball player.
0: I get nervous about any sort of trade when it involves a player that is injury prone. Oh, yeah. And I think Kyrie's very injury prone. And I think Kawhi... Kawhi
1: is injured
0: according right. to himself he's right now. He's been injured like all season.
1: I think... His people around him are kind of like, you should probably lead the Spurs. And Pop is older. You know, life happens. I don't know how long he'll be coaching.
0: I want them to Spurs hold on their Spurs are the most
1: boring team in the NBA.
0: I know, maybe that's why I like him. I'm kind of a boring guy. For you, it's like the Eastern Conference yeah, yeah. final. I'm
1: You're loving LeBron right now. But there's no way he's going to beat the Warriors. But if by the, the grace of the NBA guys, LeBron beats the Warriors – I might be okay saying that LeBron is equals Michael Jordan, but
0: not the greatest. He's... I
1: can't, I can't say the greatest, but equal to Michael Jordan. I've
0: got no problem. LeBron uh, had won me over years ago.
1: LeBron is, I mean, he literally got the whole team on his back.
0: Le- I, I have no problem saying he's the best. I,
1: he's not better than Michael Jordan. <laughs> I mean, Michael Jordan had the swag. He had like Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan. LeBron is like. Michael Jordan
0: baby junior but uh <laughs> <laughs> do you think do you think any of any any of the argument for Michael Jordan being the greatest of all time which until LeBron he was can, okay do you think any of that is like romanticized or like just true like 90s basketball nostalgia where you remember like being a kid and looking up to like this amazing ball player Okay. When you saw Space Jam, and you just Micah Jordan.
1: Micah Jordan just a whole different being. It's not like like LeBron's a good guy. Like I grew up on like Kobe days, so I grew up on Shaq and Kobe. I hated them, but I grew up on them. I grew up being a big Iverson fan. Like back in the day, or like T Mac when he was with the Rockets. Oh, like they're very old school. Like I'm gonna go one on one, like knock you in the paint, slam dunk on you, right. and then like smile and walk back. Whereas, like, the new school basketball, I feel like LeBron still has that old school style, but he's playing in the new era where, like, Steph Curry literally gets the ball, walks it up two or three feet, and shoots it, like, 45 feet away from the goal. LeBron's great, but if I had to give the ball, if I had a team of LeBron, Kobe, Steph Curry, Michael Jordan and I had to give one person a ball, I'm always gonna give it to Michael Jordan. Like Steph Curry if it's just a shot, but not if it's a contested three pointer or a contested two. Like Michael Jordan's gonna give you a three, a two, a dunk, a one, like he's gonna get it done regardless. And he did it in an era where nobody was doing it. Like Michael Jordan came like after the seventies, after the eighties where like you had Dr. Dre who's that very, like, nice, cool, calm guy with the afro. And then Michael Jordan was just like, I'm out here. Like, I'm, I'm here. Like, he he really had, like, the culture for, like, African-Americans in the sense of, like, it wasn't toned down or anything. Because, you know, like, basketball used to be very, like, everybody just sits and you're quiet and you don't dunk. There's no three-pointers. It's not really flashy. Michael Jordan brought the flash to it, and the flash went off the court. And then it's like, if you're wearing Jordan's, like, you're the hottest kid in the school. Like, I mean, the shoes still sell out. So I think LeBron's hot and he's super great, but it's, it, he's lost too many times to be compared to Michael Jordan.
0: So it's it's impossible then for, for LeBron to ever amount to... Like, more.
1: LeBron is just like a reincarnated or a copy of Michael Jordan.
0: One of the things that's really interesting to me about Michael Jordan is that he stopped playing for a while.
1: Okay, exactly. The thing about LeBron... It's not to knock him for trying so hard, but you know how you have two kids, right? One kid's just naturally gifted. Like, God just gave him a talent, and there's nothing you can do to take it away. Then you have another kid that works really hard, goes to the gym, does everything right, like tries super hard, and you're always rooting for them. But no matter what they do, they can't. Surpass the other kid that just has that God given talent. So I think that's the difference between the two of them. LeBron is like live, sleep, eat, breathe, basketball, where Michael Jordan is like, I'm gonna play for five years. I think I'll take a break and play baseball. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: Michael Jordan wasn't chasing anybody, he set the standard. Like, the reason Muhammad Ali is so great is because he made a left when everybody else is making a right. And I think that's similar to Michael Jordan. Like, he just was a once-in-a-lifetime person. Like, there will be other NBA players that are very similar to LeBron, and there will be some that will probably pass LeBron, but there will never be another Michael Jordan. If I had to compare any other NBA player – to Michael Jordan or that same type of status, I would say Steph Curry because he came out of nowhere, came into a game where Michael Jordan was the idol and went left and became like a hybrid of Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, and like like nobody even knows where he came from. And he was counting out where LeBron has been the chosen one since he was in like ninth grade.
0: That's really interesting to me because I always just assume that the debate is straight up about talent basketball performance it's on the court right but there's so much more surrounding it
1: it's all off the court I would say it's it's off the court because the reason we love basketball is because the brand that it that it is it's not a I just like the way LeBron plays it's I like the way LeBron cures itself I like his swagger I, I want to wear the new LeBrons like I guess I grew up in the era where people were literally, like, getting into fights over Jordans. Like, you would literally save your money to buy Jordans. I mean, in my town, I think a kid got shot over a pair of Jordans, so it was that serious. Like, Jordans were more – like, they were worth more than money. So, if you had the new Jordans, that was it. So, it was was that high. And so, for me, people are more so like, oh, the new LeBrons are nice, but it's not like, oh – that was the New LeBrons, I've never heard anybody say that. It's just Michael Jordan was like Michael Jackson. He was bigger than basketball. So, yeah, I'd, it there's a performance level to it, but Michael Jordan was able to take it off the court and then take it home.
0: So before we rant on about Michael Jordan for the rest of the night, and I know that some designers I listen. Can go on. And Why there's nice? some designers that are like, I don't please just talk about Some the designers design. are like, who is Michael Jordan? <laughs> That's probably like, I know Michael Jordan, he's my accountant. You know? All right, so uh if you're still around, we're gonna talk now more about design stuff. And we got some great Twitter questions, so I'll let you take it from here.
1: So question from Adam W I E B E NBA teams are basically required to include a basketball in their logo set. Do you support this move? Who does it the best and worst? That's a good question. I hate the basketball, but I'll say the team that does it the best is the Knicks because I really like their logo. It is a basketball, right? Yes. Okay. I was going to say, I was pretty, I was like 99% sure. (laughs) Uh, Who does it the worst? I think I hate the Clippers.
0: I was going to say the Clippers as well. It feels forced, right?
1: Yeah, I just, I hate their logo. I think they should redo it. I think uh,
0: if you can make the basketball look unique, because everybody has basically the same shape, right? It's a circle with a couple of half circles. The Raptors logo, where they've got, like, the claws coming out of the basketball, (laughs) like, that's a really unique take on the standard.
1: But I went on a whole Twitter rant because I watched the – The movie that Drake produced about Vince Carter—it's
0: on Netflix, right? Yeah, you guys should watch it. I'm excited about it.
1: I missed the old Raptors dinosaur. It was the best thing in NBA. It was
0: really. It was
1: terrible, but it was great because it was so iconic. I'm all for really bad like eighties, nineties designs.
0: I really don't mind the new Minnesota Timberwolves logo.
1: I hate that one. And
0: I like how I they have the it. little star. Like old school though. I think the old school version of the Grizzlies logo is much better. When yeah. you were in Vancouver, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Grizzly on that basketball was really, really cool. That
1: was like that. that was the best one. Um from Eball, shout out to her. What do you guys re listen to, play, watch, um, to spark creativity? I'm big on books and pods, but curious where you guys turn. I would say I look at Twitter a lot, Behance, just the internet. Um, I like to look at, like, CD covers or album covers, Um, Walmart. I like to look at uh, magazines. Pretty much anything is visual. I also like to go to Whole Foods and look at just, like, the food there and what is packaged in
0: packaging design I think for me is a big one because a lot of times it's either like big and bold and obvious and like in your face and that's really kind of like classic and sometimes you'll kind of wonder like what is that yeah right? it's like, super simple is is that not what I think it is because it looks almost too simple uh, packaging design for sure for me
1: I also get a lot of my inspiration from sneakers yeah. just like the textures the size of them the colors um i seen something on the internet that had, like, different Air Maxes, and they had, like, things that the designer was inspired by, and some were, like, railroad tracks or, like, the road or a sky or, like, um, just all different types of things, patterns, textures, carpets, and I thought that was super interesting.
0: Are you talking about the Air Max 100 that Matt Matt Stevens did? Uh, That is awesome, Uh, and Matt has actually done some work for us But he talks about that and he has some really great talks online if you guys haven't checked those out before. And from that, he got a ton of client work.
1: I feel like inspiration can be wherever you can find it.
0: Do you listen to a lot of podcasts?
1: I do, but I do not listen to any design podcasts. Really? Yeah.
0: So I think my favorite design podcast right now is Obsessed with Design.
1: Yeah, I got to get more into listening and watching design stuff. I guess for me... Because we work a lot, like, once I leave work, I usually, like, get away from it. You shut or like, down. Yeah, I usually shut down or just, like, go into a different apartment. Because also, like, I feel like sometimes it's, like, all that I do. So, it just doesn't do me well. I get burnt out. <laughs> like, I used to take my computer home every single day. I used to take it with me everywhere. So, if I went on vacations, I would take my computer. But... I don't take it home now. Like once I leave work, I close my work computer. And so it's it's been a breath of fresh air for me. Awesome. Yeah. And then the last question is from Big Steel Creative Design. When going through your planning process and design concept, at what point do you decide on the role of typography plays with the image? That's a good question because... I see a lot of times designers just create these like photo manipulations and there is no text. And then sometimes there's only text and no photos. So trying to get those to work together can be difficult. But for me, I just kind of, I usually start with text and then I figure out where or if the photo is needed to convey a certain message.
0: I think that it depends on what mood I'm in. Like, Sometimes I see text or type and I think, wow, that's really beautiful. I want to build something around that. Or I want to imitate that uh, and I want to pepper in the illustration or like the art, whatever it is, around that thing and highlight the text. And other times I'll be focused so much on an illustration or composition that I'll think, well, any any serif will work, you know, and I'll just, I'll just choose those things later. One of the benefits to working in-house is you've got a style guide. Yeah. And we don't have to worry as much about picking what type works well we already have that laid out for us, so as far as like our work goes, there's really not a great solution.
1: Yeah, because we have a certain font, a certain size, certain spacing that you have to use on every project, so it's pretty, pretty much already thought through before we get to it. But a lot of times when I do personal projects or projects that don't really have a style guide. I use text as a like element or a texture or a background. I like to manipulate it in a way to where it's not just a font, but it's part of the design.
0: If you're really into illustration and uh, not type, and it's not usually that those two things are like exclusive, like you, you only focus on one or the other, but I know a lot of other guys and girls like me who either didn't go to art school or just don't understand type very well, so they're kind of afraid of it, like yeah. stay away from it. So they'll just do like the illustration and then they'll ask like someone that knows more like, hey, what font should I use? <laughs> or like, what font is that uh, that you're using? Because I also want to copy you. Uh, I don't know. That's one of those things that I'm really trying to get into right now is learning how fonts work. And like um, there's a lot of random terminology that uh, yeah. Rami in the uh, art department at the magazine is uh, like one of the smartest designers I've ever met. And I will go bug him constantly like, hey, what is yeah, this he's thing He's all called about the again? kerning
1: and tracking he's and He's so pikas. good at that stuff,
0: man. So, uh, you know, find somebody that's really good at one of those two things if you don't know a whole lot about them. And pick their brain. Like, designers look out for each other. And the best thing that you can do is, like, help someone else expose their own strength. Cool. Is that it for Twitter questions?
1: That, well... I had a question from one of my friends, I guess I'll answer the question.
0: Uh-oh, personal Twitter <laughs> question on the podcast. <laughs> Let's
1: see, it's from Taylor in Chief, it's a pretty good Twitter name, she asked, what's your friends and family rate? This is actually a good question because I get this a lot, I have friends and families that send me text messages and are like, oh, he made my logo, he made my graphic, a poster, and..." I have found myself saying no just because they're not going to pay what they should be paying me and I'm not going to charge them what I would charge someone that's not a a family or a friend. So I would say I just don't do work for my families or friends because... It's always a difficult thing if you're like serious about doing your design work and your family and friends don't really take it serious that I think you just play on the computer all day. Right. So I'm just always like I don't have time. So I usually find another designer that can do what they need and I send it over to them.
0: I do that or I'll make myself a deal like if I can do this in an hour and they're happy with it, then I'll do it.
1: See, my friends are very particular. So if, like, I can see if they're like, oh, whatever you give me is fine. But my friends are like, they want four or five revisions. They want this yeah. change. They think they're designers because they're around me all the time. So they think they know what I do. So they're like, oh, can you change this or change that? And
0: then they so, use the <laughs> language. So they're like, why don't you just open up Illustrator yeah. and adjust the you know the font weight? Why don't
1: you change the color? And I don't like this. Like My families and friends, they're very particular people. So they're bad clients. So I used to work with them. Do
0: your family or friends listen to the podcast? <laughs> Because <laughs> they're never gonna ask you for might. anything ever again.
1: They might. A couple of my friends that listen have asked
0: me, and
1: I've said no. And I'm sorry,
0: but <laughs> sorry, Taylor. Yeah. I tell you what, that's the type of stuff that I won't do. Like I, you have to know, right? Like if it's a friend or if it's a family member, you're gonna know like how bad they're gonna redirect you. Yeah. <laughs> so you know right off the bat, like if it. So for me, if it takes longer than an hour, and I know that they'll need more then I'm not going to do it. And a lot of times I'll, I don't think I've ever charged a friend or a family member for something that was able to fit within that window. I think that's when you can kind of like do some pro bono work. But whenever I've accepted a project from a friend or a family member, it's been a big project. I knew they could pay me really well. And I, I had the time, but man, like friends and family rates, if you can't do it for free, And you can't offer like maybe a 50% discount or something like that. It's difficult. Maybe you shouldn't do it. I don't know.
1: It's not worth losing your friends
0: over. Or your family members (laughs) over. What an awkward reunion, right? (laughs) Like, hey, thanks for designing the family reunion t-shirts this year. Uh, You know, and charging me $500.
1: Yeah. Awkward. It's pretty bad.
0: Okay, so that's it for Twitter questions. We don't have a lot to share as far as what we're working on right now. I've got a really cool World Cup project. I've got a really cool NFL project, but nothing that I can talk about yet. And you have a top secret. Top secret
1: project. project. Um, Yeah, that's all I can say. That's it. It's going to be cool.
0: I'm really excited about it.
1: I'm excited. I'm nervous about it. I'm confident in it. And uh, Yeah.
0: I don't think it's the biggest project you've taken on, but it's probably like juggling the most it's, things, right?
1: The biggest project was the NBA project, for but sure. I would say this one might be bigger just because of the amount of elements is going into the project. So not the design itself, but the project itself might be the biggest one because I'm doing most of the work and the connecting with everything. So it, it's, a, it's a new type of project for me.
0: So that's a really good segue into what I think we're going to talk about for the rest of our time today, and that's multitasking. So this project is a great example of that, and I wish we could reveal actually what it is. Maybe in the next, I don't know, two or three episodes, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about it, and you can get into the nitty gritty of how you had to multitask or juggle all these different elements. But how do you feel about multitasking as a designer? It's
1: difficult. difficult. And I think that's why a lot of designers or illustrators have, like, an agent, which I'm super surprised that people actually have, but you're working with big wig designers from New York or Cali or, like, France. They have an agency, and uh, I think that's why, just because it's, like, if you're multitasking, you have to like hire designers, hire illustrators, uh, build a website yourself, then hire a developer, and then check in with your bosses and make sure they're okay. And then if you're juggling other projects from other teams, it's a lot to handle. It's like having a bunch of bills in a bunch of different accounts, and you're trying to figure out which account is supposed to pay which bill, and then if you forget you get a late fee. So one thing breaks down, everything else doesn't work. Uh, but I think it's super important just because... A lot of times designers think you're just going to come to work and only have to design, but you don't check your emails, you don't respond to Slack, and then you find yourself in a hole. And so that's something that I'm learning more to juggle things. So just trying to figure out what takes first priority and what doesn't. So just really being organized for me has been very important. I do a lot of Google Sheets and Google Docs and Like Google calendars. The
0: programs that you (laughs) never thought you'd have to learn. Yeah, I
1: use Excel all the time.
0: It's so frustrating. I have
1: so many charts.
0: That's the way it goes, though. And I think you've talked about this before, like going to design school. One of the things that, you know, you thought you might learn was like how to use InDesign, how to use Illustrator. But it's all about like how to build relationships, preserve those relationships and how to multitask and do all these different things at once. Like adult skills.
1: Yeah, it's like, you know how you meet somebody and they like have this really nice job and a lot of money and you're like, what do you do? And they can't technically tell you what they do because they do a whole bunch of things. But you only see them like talking on the phone and sending emails and you're like, oh, they don't really do anything. Right. But then when you find yourself like actually talking to a lot of people, sending a bunch of emails, it's a job in itself.
0: Right. <laughs> That's, it's really funny because I think that all the time you know, what do you actually do, yeah. right? Like, I see you in meetings a lot, or I see you on the phone a lot, and it's not just, like, here. We're not talking about, like, ESPN, just, like, in general. In general, like, yeah. Your friends and your family that they're like, oh, well, it's complicated what or they're do. busy
1: all the time. Or I have a friend, every time I see her, she has two phones, and she's always on one of them. She's always busy. She stays at work to 8 o'clock, and I'm like, what do you do exactly? Because she talks to people all day. But now I'm like, oh, you actually have a lot to do, because... It can be very difficult talking to people, conveying a message to people, getting people to do what you want when you want, and having them keep up with you, having them to to reach those deadlines because sometimes people are hard to work with.
0: The administrative side, the like managerial side of design, is something that you can't really learn until you do it. Yeah, and whether that's like. For client work because you're a freelancer or if you're a small agency and you're trying to manage accounts as well as like design for those accounts
1: or getting people paid is a whole different story
0: yeah working in is it's crazy how much managing how much juggling of different projects that we have to do on a daily basis um, how many projects do you have going on at once usually
1: right now I have about five different tests that I have to complete
0: and those are all with different managers or, like, different art directors. Different
1: people. Well, yeah, different people and then. Different departments.
0: Yeah. Like, it's not like we have one person that delegates and then we delegate and that person delegates. The Like, the chain of command um, is one thing and it's totally different from, like, the actual process of getting work done.
1: It's like a tree with different <laughs> with different branches.
0: Yeah. You have all of these different things that you've got going on, whether it's, like, three or four, even five projects, um, you have to be very organized, number one, and then you have to, like, hold yourself and everybody else accountable. Like, that's what a project manager's job is, right? Like, you have to do that as well as design.
1: And people have to like working with you. You have to make good relationships. Right. Because if people don't like working with you, it's going to be a little bit harder to get them to do what you need them to do.
0: Do you feel like you have a limit? Like, you know that if you handle X, Y, and Z during a day, you're fine. But if you add one more thing on top of that, like, it's going to be a long day. I don't know if I can handle this.
1: This is how I kind of figure my day out. My friends like to go to lunch. So I know if I have a lot to do, I'm not going to make the lunch. So I'm like, I have to finish X, Y, and Z before I leave my seat. So that's kind of how I calculate things in a sense of like, can I take a break or should I get up or like should I, you know, maybe step back a little bit. If I have a really busy day, I know I'm going to be here late. And so I'm like ah, I'm trying to knock things out.
0: What's really frustrating is when you have to. What's really hard is you have to find that balance because you can have too little to do also. Yeah. Right. And then you have to look busy <laughs> on top of like finding things to actually do and keep yourself interested. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: That That's true, too. That could be a whole different podcast because
0: like sometimes how to look you're... busy at work?
1: Yeah, or not <laughs> even how to look busy. It's how to use your free time efficiently. Yes. Like, for me, a lot of times when I have free time, which I haven't had much free time lately, but I try to teach myself new skills or introduce things that I wouldn't necessarily do or know to myself. So basically, I try to learn as much as I can as possible. Just because I feel like design is always changing, work is always changing, the country is always changing, like everything is changing, so.
0: It's not uncommon to look over at somebody's screen when there's downtime and see them taking like a code class real quick or learning something new in After Effects, something that like they won't use on a regular basis, but they know they need to learn. I think one of our coworkers, Munahito, when I first met him was doing so much layout work and he mentioned that he was getting into After Effects, and now all he, all does, he does is that After, After Effects stuff. Every day. <laughs> and it's because he knew that he needed to learn something else and like forward himself and, and progress and continue to learn, which is really awesome. Yeah.
1: And also, a lot of times, if I do have free time, I like to connect with different people. I like to get lunch for different people. Just... I've met so many people that do so many different things, and then when I have something, I'm like, oh, I need, like, I had one of my projects was on TV, and I was like, man, I really need that clip from TV. And I had a friend that works in TV and was able to get me the clip, so the different people I've met outside of the office or like outside of my section has really been very beneficial to me.
0: Yeah. You cast a wider net. Yeah. You're able to interact with so many different people and have access to so many different things that you wouldn't otherwise. Quick access too. (laughs) If you just put your head down and thought like, all right, I'm going to get the work done. I'm going to hustle really hard and make sure that I am able to do everything on my long list of things to do. Like I'm going to just do it now. I'm going to knock all these things out. And, And that is not a great idea either because you either don't interact with other people and people don't understand that like, oh, well, Tiffany's just working. I I shouldn't bother. You'll be a robot.
1: It'll be like Tiffany sits at her desk all day. She doesn't interact with people. And I've learned that how you impact people, how they perceive you is very important because you can be here for 20 years and nobody knows your name because you've never spoken to anybody. You can be here for five months and everybody knows you and – that's more beneficial than I do my work every day is what impact are you making?
0: Right. So multitasking isn't even just about getting the work done and and putting your head down and knocking out everything on a list. It's just as much about interacting and knowing how to delegate or like which which palms to shake or like which wheels to grease. Um, But also, if you work super hard thinking that you're knocking all these things out of your to do list, like you'll get burnt out. Right. Because there is such a thing as too much.
1: Have to have a nice work-life balance.
0: That's right. And when you multitask nonstop for months at a time, you don't enjoy work anymore. We you don't find get to yourself design. being
1: a robot and not really being motivated.
0: No. So what happens? Like have you ever gotten to a point where there was just too much?
1: I go back and forth with that sometimes. Um, when I feel like I'm burnt out, I try to book a flight home. Try to see my family. Whenever I see my family, it kind of refuse me and gives me that motivation to push a little bit harder. Or just hanging out with friends or just spending a whole weekend doing nothing or um, traveling, vacation, those things. It always, when I'm able to... I'm very much into, like, the work hard, play hard. So when I'm able to live a certain lifestyle that I want to live or live freely or do the things that I want to outside of work, that pushes me harder at work because I know it's paying off for a reason. Like, I'm a very, like, motivational type of person. So you have to – I have to have a meaning behind everything that I do. If not, I'm just not going to be down for
0: it. There have been several times when i felt like this is too much. I yeah. can't handle it anymore. <laughs> and – Either I'll see someone else working just as hard without complaining, or I'll recognize that I'm getting burnt out. I need to step away and, like, take an extra day uh, of vacation time and, and spend it with my family or get outside of the office. Like, working outside is... It's nice
1: outside. I've seen a lot of people working outside. There's a lady that has, like, a little box, and I guess she puts a computer inside of it, and she works outside every day.
0: Man, which is really great because... Like, our first two episodes of this podcast, we were complaining about how cold and, like, (laughs) snowy it was. And now it's actually nice. It is
1: nice outside. It's 80. Man.
0: Really nice day. So, I guess the biggest takeaway is, like, it's important to know how to multitask. Because you're going to get a lot more work done when you can juggle several projects at once. Or when you can delegate different things by reaching out to friends and other designers. But it's also important to not do too much.
1: Yeah, I was going to say an important thing that I have learned and I'm still learning is sometimes you have to say no. Man. And that's hard for me.
0: It's hard to say no, especially when you work in-house because that person could just go over your head and say, like, <laughs> trying to say no, <laughs> what do you say? Let's put him to work. That's happened before. You have to have, like, a really good reason if you say no. And a lot of times it's not just saying no, it's saying I will get to it later but right now it's just unrealistic right like I need to focus on these other things because these other projects can't suffer by adding one more thing to it and we have a really great team that looks out for each other and if one of us can't do one thing then maybe somebody else can pick up that slack but it is important when you're not working in-house when you're picking up extra freelance work or when you've got a bunch of different clients that are demanding certain things from you it's important to be able to put limits on those expectations
1: yeah it definitely
0: is so i guess that's it we got uh a few more minutes left you want to talk about music
1: favorite part of the day speaking of music i know i mentioned kod from J jcon last week but he's having a tour and they're coming to hartford
0: hartford yes not like new york and no Boston. like
1: hartford like x center which is very close to where i live It, but i will be there
0: did you already get tickets
1: I did not. My friends are trying to get tickets today. But the way my wallet's set up, I will not be buying tickets today. Let's see what I'm listening to, though. Have you heard of Ray Are Or Sherm Life? Swae Lee? Slim Jimmy?
0: (laughs) I wish everybody could see, like, the puzzled look (laughs) on my face. Are these, these musicians?
1: Yes. It's like not the Migos and I know they don't like being compared to the Migos but they were the Migos before the Migos so it's two brothers one is Slim Jimmy and then the other one is uh Sway Lee they have a song called Black Beatles they're the guys that you know how ESPN is doing like it's not a TV show but it's like a clip that they run on social That's like a basketball show Ugh. you might have seen it one day
0: maybe Dang. I don't know uh, I'm boring.
1: Have you heard the song, I Don't Have No Type? No. Ugh. Anyways, the the Titus has no music. idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but for everybody else, you have to listen to Ray Shermert. I feel like I'm pronouncing their name wrong. But they released their album on Friday. It's called Sherm Life 3, and it's pretty good. I've also been listening to J. Cole Steele. I think KOD was a classic album. Did you listen to that? Do you know who J. Cole is now?
0: I do know who J. Cole is now. I listen to it. I like the music. I couldn't tell you one song title from another or like which song that I really liked. But it wasn't bad. Like It's not something I'm going to go listen to on purpose. But if it came on the radio, I might not change the station. <laughs> it's, it's very and old school. that's my glowing review of J. Cole. <laughs> it's
1: very old school rap. Um, I'm also always listening to Adele. And The weekend and Solange. Can I just say Solange had the best album that she's ever had after the whole Met Gala incident, since the Met Gala was like a couple of days ago.
0: Right. You're talking about the one from last year?
1: Uh, this was like four years ago.
0: Okay. See, I also don't know about Met Gala. <laughs> oh, man. But I do like Solange.
1: You know, I did learn that the Met Gala was actually like a gallery for costumes, so that's why they have a theme. Which, if I can say whoever had the best outfit, I would say it would be Cardi B.
0: You wouldn't say it was Jaden Smith?
1: Jaden is odd.
0: He walked in with his gold album. Did you see that?
1: <laughs> One time he walked in with his hair.
0: Yeah, that was that was something else. And then he walked and then it was his sister the year before that.
1: Yeah, I could do his sister. I can but... understand.
0: That's kind of cute. But then, like, your hair? Yeah. What kind of statement is that? It's
1: kind of weird. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm listening to this week.
0: So, I've got two tracks, and one of them is from Bare Hands. You ever heard of Bare Hands?
1: Um, Come on,
0: everybody's... No, actually, no one's nope. really heard of Bare Hands. Uh, Bare Hands has a song called Backseat Driver. It's really good. I'm into that one. And the other one I'm listening to is Childish Gambino.
1: I love his music. Oh, can we talk about his video, though? This
0: is America? Yeah. I was hoping we could talk about it just, just for a second. Because we could go on for a long time about this, but we chose to talk about the playoffs <laughs> instead.
1: We did, but Childish Gambino deserves some face time. So my sister asked me about the video, and her reaction was very different than my friend's. So my sister's very much, like, not into pop culture. Like, she works, she has kids, so she's, like, a super mom. Yeah. So I don't even know if she knows who Childish Gambino is. And then she also was like... Why are people so hyped about the video? Like she didn't think there was anything new about the video, or she didn't. She was unsure as to why people thought it was genius, because the video is very provocative in a way. Extremely. it's, It's like this is America, but for her, it was like we already know that that's America. Everybody is doing everything about this American. that's a, a super
0: interesting take on it but again it has to be all about your perspective right Like yeah if she's a mom she's thinking about her family she's thinking about um the context in which she, she watches that video for the first time she's like so what
1: like, yeah she's like it's normal yeah so yeah when i saw the video i just thought it was funny the way he was dancing but then when he shot the church choir then he shot the guy i was like oh but Kind of like my sister, I'm like, that's America. We've seen that before. There are a lot of skits and movies and right. everything's kind of talking about that right now.
0: So I think that is is a fair point. And I I looked at it and I was surprised at how... Um, honest? <laughs> well, it was, a, it was extremely honest. I was surprised at how uh, unjarred I was when he shoots the guy in the head. Yeah, I was unfazed. And that bothers me. Like, <laughs> why doesn't that America. freak me out? And, and then I thought about that, like, well, it's called This Is America, so obviously that is some commentary on the state of things right now. But the music video plays on, and it's so well choreographed, and yeah. he's distracting. Like, the way that he's dancing and the, the lines in the song about how this is, like, entertainment for you, and, and then in the background there's just, like, chaos. Like, people are running, cops are running around, or it looks like there's smoke and fires and, and a cars man jumped off the on. little
1: bridge and killed himself so there's suicide, homicide and everything else going on and all I could think about was this is a pretty good song
0: right like <laughs> the, the music is super catchy the, um, the sound effects of the gun are not in the track on Spotify so um. when I listened to it uh, in the car after watching the video I was prepping myself for that like oh yeah this is exactly that moment but it doesn't happen so you start thinking about, like, wow, the song is actually catchy. So people are going to like the song. They're going to play the song because it's actually a really great tune. But when you watch the video, you get a lot more perspective on what he's saying, which is really, I think, important. And like yeah. it, it is provocative, but I think it's very timely. And I think he's not wrong.
1: Yeah, I think he's not wrong. I just think everybody has been saying the
0: same thing. How did you, so how do you feel about the video? Do you think it's like, what What was your reaction the first time you saw it?
1: I mean, I guess I've watched videos on Facebook where people have been murdered in their cars or kids have been fighting. So for me, it just was normal. It it wasn't anything I hadn't seen it for. Like, it was very provocative and like he went there. But because social media gives us access to really go there, it's almost like you can see anything on social media. I mean, when I was back home for like Thanksgiving, a guy in our neighborhood got shot like right before Thanksgiving over like 10 bucks. And people were like Snapchatting it as it was happening. So a guy is like crawling, dying to his mom house and people are Snapchatting it. So to see things like that and then to see a video, it doesn't faze me at all.
0: So I had a conversation with a friend who saw the video And his reaction immediately was, this is bad. This is capitalizing on the trauma of kids who have, you know, witnessed school shootings. And people who are watching the news right now understand that, like, violence is a major issue in our country. And he's just kind of jumping on the back of that. And I think that's a fair point, especially when you consider, like, kids are listening to this and, like, should we remind them that this is America and that this is very normal. But from the opposite side, like it got me and another white guy to talk about like the political state, like the socioeconomic like crisis in our country or like just the state of America in general. He's not wrong. Like the way that he sings about it and talks about it and acts throughout the entire video I just kept thinking, like, he's not wrong. Like, everything he's saying is real. This is the stuff that we see, and I'm not being phased by this. There's a problem.
1: And I think the biggest thing of that is just perspective. Like, for some families, you can turn off the TV or have your kids not watch it. But certain neighborhoods, like where I'm from, you can't turn off outside for your kids. You can't stop people from seeing what's around them. You can't be like, oh, we're not going to watch this video No, like you go outside and somebody may get shot and killed in front of your face. So you can't turn off, you know, America. Yeah. But it's like if you are fortunate to not live in their environment, then you can be closed off to it. But for a lot of people, they can't really cut it off.
0: And the opposite side of that, I think, is that people like me, people who have grown up the way that I've grown up and live where I live, Won't see that unless they watch a video. Yeah. Unless someone turns them onto that and says, hey, there's a problem that needs your help, that needs, you know, repairing or fixing or, uh, you know, at least talking about. Like, I'm not going to get it unless I have that video. So it did its job. I, I think the job was to remind people or to raise awareness about the state of America, which I thought it did. And it helps that the song was rocking. Like. Yeah.
1: He's very he is a very talented person. He can sing. Did you watch dance, him on SNL? Write. I right ha- I haven't seen the whole thing, but I I've haven't either seen a couple of clips.
0: I watched the uh, the other songs that he performed on SNL are also awesome.
1: His song Red Bone is like the best song ever. And it's it's not even like the song is great. It's just like a mix of all these different ingredients of a song, and somehow he had the ability to like, create this perfect like tune, and I love that because it's very—it's not like trap music, it's not pop, it's its own style. It's very like seventies inspired, but it's funky, but it's for like two thousand eighteen. I love him a lot.
0: I've been listening to his old album uh, or his old mixtape Kawhi also, which is really really good. So. If you like what you heard from SNL, I think that's the next place to go. Until we get the new album, which I'm really excited about.
1: I thought he was done being
0: childish challenged. Can be so did I. I'm really glad he's not, though. Whatever he wants to do, man. Donald Glover has the keys. I'll let him drive. He does. So that's what we're listening to, and that's going to be our super long episode.
1: Yeah, it's long. Oh, it's our.
0: Episode five. Wow. Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Hope you had a good time.